Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage open the voice gate this podcast is a member of the voices of wrestling podcasting network visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews columns opinions and updates across the world of wrestling to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 243 in fine podcast tradition. I probably just butchered that Japanese word, but we are back uh, for one time only. Not saying we're back on a weekly basis or even a monthly basis, but recent developments have spurred me out of podcast retirement. Uh, So we're back here with episode number 243. Uh, Of course, I believe the guest here I'm almost positive. I should have looked this up first. I think you were on the last episode. If the last episode was the uh, year-end awards episode, then yes. I, it's amazing. I, I, I did not do that on purpose. I just I just thought of that right now as I was about to introduce you. I'm like, okay, you were on the 2021 year-end awards episode, which ended up being the the last episode we did. And, um, you know, before this hiatus that's obviously gone on for 11 months now. And I never even, I realized I never even said goodbye on the podcast. Like there's probably people who never checked my Twitter feed or the, the podcast Twitter feed who have no idea. I just put the podcast on hiatus, but uh, 
yeah, hello to those people. <laughs> welcome, welcome back to the show. Um, yes, the podcast has been on hiatus for the last eleven months. Obviously, uh, it's just been a very, I don't know, like a very. I haven't been into a lot of wrestling in the last, you know, in twenty twenty two. I think a lot of that is probably because, you know, Japanese wrestling has been a uh, very clap crowd heavy. I just kind of reached my limit with that. Um, so yeah, I just been watching. I've really only been watching two promotions. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Elite Wrestling. And it seemed kind of against the theme of the show to continue if I without watching all these other promotions I used to watch, I guess. So that is the long-winded way of saying why there hasn't been another uh, Wrestling Omaka say this year. But again, recent developments have made me want to come back here and record an episode. And my guest here was gracious enough to do it, even though I gave, I asked him to do it like probably, what, like 10 minutes before we just started recording? <laughs> yes, f- 15 minutes ago from <laughs> this particular second in time. <laughs> but, I mean, the the, the, long, the short story there is I, I had thought I had an episode uh, or a guest appearance lined up to discuss this stuff. And then it kind of fell through because of scheduling issues. So I think, what the fuck? I mean, like you just said off the air... I do have a podcast to discuss this on. Uh, it's called Wrestling Omakase, and I could think of no better guest than this for you than you because uh, we're going to troll some people here. That's the main <laughs> the main goal of this episode. But uh, yeah, so we're here to talk about the 2022 Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Uh, Mongo, are you a are you a voter? I can't. I don't know this. Whether or not um, I, I am not a voter. Um, I, I am shocked that I'm not a voter since the voting base now like encompasses like everyone on the planet. But I, I am not a voter. <laughs> I'm I'm only a voter in the much more prestigious uh, Voices of Wrestling uh, Match of the Year uh, poll. That is true. So this was my first year as a voter. Uh, this was the first time I had a ballot. Which is again funny. I, <laughs> I, I shut down my podcast and then Dave finally replies to one of my emails sending him all the observer hall of fame articles i've ever written like uh can i have a ballot and he was which is okay do you know how many people have tried to get me an observer hall of fame ballot i'm not saying this is some kind of brag i'm saying this is like uh how funny it is and like how random it is when he finally gives one to you i have heard from at least a dozen people who are voters who recommended me to get a hall of fame ballot over the years like probably over the last five years at least a dozen people. I'm probably forgetting some. And Dave never did it. So I was like, you know, does Dave Meltzer have some weird issue with me? Did I say something on Twitter that really pissed him off or something? And no, the answer was far more mundane. It's that these people emailed him at the wrong time or something when he wasn't thinking about it. And I happened to email him this year at the right time, uh, you know, in like September when he was getting ready to compile <laughs> compile the voters. And I was like, hey, Dave, uh, you know, other people have, you know, tried to put in a good word for me to get a ballot before. But, uh, you know, I've written a bunch of articles on the Voice of Wrestling Observer. I mean, the, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame on Voices of Wrestling. So, you know, uh, I would love to be considered for a ballot. And he just replies back like it was something like one line. It was like, email me next month and remind me to give you a ballot. And that's what I did. I emailed again in October and I got a ballot. So uh, that's that's the very boring story of how I got a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame ballot. It's Um, funny how everything in the Observer universe works basically like that, because 
before AEW and when they would do like uh, mailbag heavy shows on Wednesday, people would complain that they would keep sending in questions and they'd never get answered. And the secret to getting your question answered was to email them at like midnight Eastern time. So like an hour or two before they recorded. And Brian would only look at like the top five or six (laughs) messages in his inbox. And so whenever I had a goofy question that I wanted answered, like um, did the Sergeant Slaughter versus Bigfoot, the monster truck tug of war arena shows draw Whenever I wanted one of those answered, I'd just send it in at midnight on a Wednesday and they'd get answered. <laughs> the answer was no, they did not draw. Uh, but yeah, so it's kind of funny how that's how it works for pretty much everything related to the Observer. Uh, but the Observer Hall of Fame, you know, I mean, wrestlers do vote on it, right? I mean, real wrestlers do vote on it. Retire- real active wrestlers, I should say. Uh, retired wrestlers vote on it. Historians vote on it. Uh, I'm sure I'm in the quote-unquote reporters category that ended up putting one Titsi and Naito over the top, as we'll get to. But the Observer Hall of Fame class, 2022, uh, that's what we're here to talk about. I'm just going to quickly read off who got in here and their percentages. And then obviously, there's one guy in particular I want to talk about, and really another guy too, because he also got targeted for some weird amount of uh, online hate this week. But the, the people who got in this year uh, were the Holy Demon Army, uh, Akira Tawe and Toshiaki Kawada. They had uh, 76% of the votes. You need at least 60% of the voters in your region. Keep that in mind. That's important for later. You need 60% of the voters in your region to go into the Observer Hall of Fame. Um, so yes, Tawe and Kawada got in on their very first year on the ballot. Uh, Tawe had been on the ballot by himself for a long time, was never able to get in. Uh, I definitely would have been a Tawe voter if, you know, I had had a ballot before this year. Uh, But I did not vote for Holy Demon Army, mostly out of, uh, mostly because I figured they were going to get in anyway, but also because I just didn't like Dave adding like 500 tag teams uh, all to one ballot. So I kind of didn't vote for any of them uh, as like a little, my own little protest. But anyway, so that was Holy Demon Army. They got in without my vote anyway. Uh, Mystico, he received 76% of the vote uh, in the Mexico region. This is obviously is the original Mystico, the guy who, again, is, uh, is Mystico once again. Uh, you know, he's, take, he's got that, that gimmick back. But yeah, he has 76% of the vote. Um, only 74 votes compared to 148 votes for the Holy Demon Army, which, again, shows you the difference in, you know, who votes in what category. Uh, but it, not a big surprise he got in because he got 59.7% in 2021 so obviously was just barely under the 60 percent threshold uh there's something funny about that vote total actually um so mystico got the same exact number of raw votes Mm. this year and last year but less people voted in mexico this year so mystico got in exactly i mean i definitely would have voted for him if i so i based i only voted in my first year uh, in the Japan and modern U.S. Canada categories, I didn't. I don't think I follow lucha enough to, you know, be any kind of lucha expert. So I didn't really feel comfortable voting in that category, even though, because basically the way it works, to again for people who don't know, if you vote for like let's say I I feel strongly about Mystico and I want Mystico to get into the Hall of Fame, so I vote for him. If I only vote for Mystico, it's essentially voting against everybody else in Mexico, since I'm now raising the threshold for everybody else to get in. So it just seems fucking stupid to me to vote in a category where I don't really know that much about. So 
I stayed out of Mexico. I stayed out of the Europe slash rest of the world. And I stayed out of historical too, even though I pro- historical U.S. Canada, I, I should say, even though I feel like I probably, you know, I know like the 80s guys well enough, right? That are in the, the historical cutoff now, I think is 1992. Is it 92 now and it's going to go up to 93 next year? That sounds right. Yeah, I think so. Because JYD is going historical next yeah. year. So. so basically, I feel, you know, I, I know those 80s guys, if that wouldn't be a big deal. But like, I don't know anything about guys from like the 70s or 60s. And, you know, I just felt felt like it would have been stupid for me to vote in that category. I saw, There was actually an interesting proposal in the Discord, uh, in the Voice of Wrestling Discord, to sort of break up the historical into like, you know, a into two categories where you have like a really historical and like a quasi historical. I think he had better names than that for it, but you know, if, if that was the case, if there was like a separate category for the eighties guys up to like the early nineties, I would vote in that category. I just don't feel comfortable voting for these, you know, really old people that were active before I was born. So, um, but yeah, the next guy who got in Kota Ibushi with 65% of the vote, Again, not a huge jump for him. He had fifty four percent last year. Um, I'm, I was, I, I th- I'll get into why I think the psychology of him going in uh, probably worked out for him. Him, him, and the other guy from Japan uh, who got in this year. I think they had almost the exact opposite things working for them. But not a huge jump for Ibushi, and not I guess that surprising he got in. The big shocker was Tetsuya Naito who had 65% of the vote and got into the Hall of Fame just because he only had 38% last year. So, you know, almost the exact same votes for Ibushi and Naito. Ibushi had 128 and Naito had 127. Um, And it turns out their voter base was very different, as we can get into a little bit later. Uh, But yeah, so Naito gets in. And that's, as you can probably guess, that's mostly why I'm here recording this, but we'll get to we'll get to that. Uh, then Los Vill- Villanos, v- Villanos, help me out here. Uh, oh my God, I can pronounce this in my head every time. <laughs> Villanos. Villanos, there we go. They got 63%. It was their first year. Uh, and then after that, uh, we had Rollerball Mark Rocco, who got in with 62%. Again, not a big jump for him. He had 58% in the previous year. Uh, some people who were close. The one that really made people upset was Argentina uh, Roca and Miguel Perez, you know, historical category, a historical tag team that probably should have gotten in. Uh, They got 57%, so I'm sure they'll probably get in next year. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter got 57%, slightly down from 59. Uh, You know, not not a ton of jumps here. I mean, Rick and Scott Steiner had probably one of the bigger jumps. They went from 40 to 52. Um, Paul Orndorff, Paul Orndorff, uh, Mr. Wonderful. He went from 35% to 50% this year. So he was a big jump as well. I know uh, Joe Lanza was really pushing for him on his podcast. And CM Punk had a jump from 33% to 41%. uh, And we'll get to him in a little bit. But the main thing I want to talk about here is Naito and Ibushi getting in. I'm sure that will shock people. Um, But it caused a very interesting reaction on Twitter. And I'm sure you saw this as well, Mongo. Uh, people, certain people on Twitter were very upset that Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi got into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame and one chick magnet punk did mm-hmm. not get into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Now, again, I am a voter as of this year. I voted for all three of these people. 
Okay, I voted for Naito, I voted for Ibushi, and I voted for the chick, the uh, chick magnet punk. I might as well just mention who who else I voted for uh, in general. So I have my entire ballot here. Again, I only voted in uh, two of these categories, but I voted in the Japan category for Naito, Ibushi. Uh, I voted for Shima, who I believe he was up as well. Yeah, yes, he was. He was up maybe barely. He was, oh, no, wow. He, it was actually he, a good jump. Yeah, good jump. 23% to 34%. Uh, I voted for Mako Satamura. She was up, I think, around 20%. Where the hell is she? Oh, okay. She was at 18%. So up a little bit from 16%. And the last person I voted for was actually Naomichi Marafuji, who unfortunately did not have a jump at all. Um, you know, he... he actually finished under 10%, so he will be off the ballot as of next year. I actually don't know if he um if this was his first year being of, of eligibility or if he had previously been on. I feel like he was previously on, right? I honestly don't remember. Yeah. Um I feel like this was his first year, but Yeah. Um it's like I, I used to like really religiously pay attention to the Observer Hall of Fame and get into all the, the, the big arguments and everything. And then when Sting got in, I was like, eh, anyone can kind of get in. So why why am I putting this much effort in? And I love Sting. Like Sting is my favorite wrestler, but for whatever reason I was like, he's my favorite wrestler. I don't I don't really think he's a Hall of Famer at that point. Obviously now, hundred percent a Hall of Famer. Best two year streak of his career. But uh, yeah, I, I used to like, yeah, I would know that in a second. Oh yeah, no, this was his first time in the battle, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm just like, eh, you know, I pay attention when it comes around. I'm not going to get into these giant arguments over why Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito should not be in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> but CM Punk should be. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's why I voted for in the Japan category. In the US, I, w- I voted for Bill Goldberg, uh, Matt and Jeff Hardy, Roman Reigns, Rick and Scott Steiner, and CM Punk. Those are my five. Uh, so if, if you want to, a lot of people on, on the Discord kind of took me to task a little bit for voting for Roman. I think it's a very defensible vote. I don't, I don't blame anybody who doesn't have men. Um, you know, I just think as far as like doing the best you can in that environment, uh, he's probably the, the he's probably doing as best as he can between his in-ring work as a face and now his character work as a heel i think he just barely gets over the line for me in a way that like randy orton doesn't but you know if i'm gonna defend like the merch sales of tetsuya naito as a reason why he deserves to be a hall of famer i can't really overlook the fact that you know roman and the bloodline seem to be gigantic uh you know gigantic merch sellers as well but yeah, I mean that that's my US ballot and I don't it doesn't seem like any of those people really came that close to getting in, right? Um Punk like I said was at 41%. Uh, sh- uh I should have done research this before the podcast, but <laughs> very last minute folks. Roman in his first year 31%. Okay. I could see him getting in. I think he probably will eventually get in. Yeah, unless uh, he goes so part time that he's just barely around. Yeah. Like if if he has like a if what I think will happen happens, and they get to WrestleMania, they have him beat The Rock, or The Rock isn't there, and they have him beat Cody or whatever, and they're like, well, let's because let's have him hold the belt a little bit longer. They'll get to the fall, and they're like, 
well, we can't have him lose now. Let's have him lose at WrestleMania. And, you know, he'll have like a three and a half year title reign at that point. And I think people will be like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I could see him being a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, so I have this, the Steiner brothers did a lot better than I than I thought. They were at 52%. I think I may have already said that, actually. But 52% up from 40% last year. So they seem to be on the trajectory. Uh, the Hardys were at 30%, which was also up uh, from 24% last year. Goldberg is the one that surprised me. He's only at 20%, which is barely up from last year, 18%. So the, the current WWE run not really helping him too much. Uh, and I think that's everybody I, I said I voted for. But yeah, so Naito and Ibushi getting in and uh, CM Punk not getting in. That to me was, you know, this big story on Twitter the day the, uh, the, day the results came out. And there were some very upset people, I will say, seemingly mostly from the uh the british isles do you want to say is that offensive to irish people um, um, the, I- the irish heart the uh irish blood english hard posters is that the stuff that's it oh you, that's they're the gonna one. they're gonna cancel you for uh <laughs> for morrissey references now that that's true he is awful um but yeah i mean they seem to really be upset with naito and abushi getting in and punk not getting in now, there's a few things I want to say about this. First of all, if you were paying attention to what I talked about, about how you get into the Observer Hall of Fame, it like even getting mad that two wrestlers got in in the Japan category and a wrestler did not get in, in the America category really doesn't make any fucking sense because unless you're voting in every single category, and because there is a limit for the that you can vote for in every category. I think it's 18 candidates, not counting non-wrestlers. So if you're voting in every single category, I guess there is, um, you know, a scenario where you can only pick one of Punk or Naito or Punk or Ibushi. But for the most part, the the limit that most people are worried about, because I, I feel like most people don't vote in every category. Most of the public ballots I see, you know, people do not vote in either, you know, historical or Europe slash Oceania or something. So they usually are not worried about hitting that 18 category. Uh, you know, 18 person limit overall. What they're worried about hitting usually is the five person per category. So you have a limit of five per category. And again, unless you are voting in every single category, there's no, like whether or not you vote for Naito and Ibushi has nothing to do with whether or not you vote for CM Punk. And if somebody votes just in the Japan category, which again, I know people who do that, they literally had nothing to do with whether or not CM Punk got in. Their vote for Punk, uh, I mean, they didn't vote against Punk by not voting for him because they did not vote in the modern U.S. and Canada category. So, like, complaining about Naito and Punk getting, or Naito and Ibushi getting in and Punk not getting in, just, like, I don't know if you're just ignorant about how the Observer Hall of Fame works, which maybe that's, you know, maybe many people don't understand how it works. It is maybe a little needlessly complicated. But, um, you know, it could be just ignorance or it could be, uh, one of these things where you're being, you know, you're like getting yourself angry for no fucking reason, uh, or you know, conveniently ignoring the actual facts of how the Observer Hall of Fame works because you want to be pissed off about Naito and Ibushi getting in before Punk, when really they have very little to do with each other. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair. Yeah, and I mean, you have om- not not just the division in your ballot. I think if you want to be mad at 
CM Punk not getting in. You can be mad at like how much the voter base is expanded and like try to claim that for whatever reason that they would they would be biased against CM Punk for some reason. But I think at this point, like the massive uh, additions you've had to the voter base in the last like three years would be much more amenable to voting for Punk than the the voter base of like five or six years ago. So I think that's like a silly argument even there. Like, unless you want to believe that it's literally all like fans of the elite who all got ballots and all decided that they hate CM Punk now. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that is one of the funniest parts of this. They also complained a lot about elite fans and like, oh, you know, you can't, uh, you know, you can kill your family, but you can't, uh, you can't, you can't punch uh, the elite or whatever. Of course, because Benoit didn't get voted out like, you know, 14 years ago, whatever the fuck it was. If, first of all, if you go through, because Dave Meltzer prints this, he prints a ranking of how each person did with uh, each category. So in reporters, CM Punk finished 17th. Doesn't sound that high, right? In the historian category, he did not finish in the top 30 at all. In the retired pro wrestler category, he, again, did not finish in the top 30 at all. In the active wrestler category, he finished tied for 27th. So who the fuck voted against CM Punk? It wasn't reporters who, again, ranked him 17th, which is not super high, but is higher than the other categories did. But people who didn't vote for CM Punk were historians, were active wrestlers, and were retired wrestlers. Those are the people who decided they did not want CM Punk in this Hall of Fame. So when you break it down like that, it's very obvious that what hurt CM Punk, you know, who who CM Punk hurt himself with was people who, you know, are not like these elite fanboys who got these ballots in the reporter category. He pissed off some active wrestlers. He pissed off some retired wrestlers in the same way that Shawn Michaels couldn't get into the Hall of Fame uh, in the early 2000s until he finally broke through by, you know, acting the way he did. Uh, in the whole brawl out situation, which I'm not here to litigate anyway. I don't, I, I don't really care. I don't really have any dog in that fight. It's not really a big deal to me. But, you know, the reporters still put in 17th. I mean, the reporters voted for him more than the other three categories. So that, you know, that entire um, narrative around Punk doesn't, doesn't actually hold any water. Um, you know, to, to break it down a little bit more... Yes, the reporters did vote overwhelmingly for Naito. I mean, he, that's why he got in. He was first among reporters, and Ibushi was fourth. Um, you know, the historians of the retired wrestlers, as Dave kind of talked about in the newsletter, it, they kind of tended to vote for both of them, uh, if they or or neither of them. Like the historians had Ibushi and Naito tied for twelve. I think historian and Dave speak, by the way, just means like really old people, right? That aren't wrestlers. You know, that's I mean, kind of how I. That's kind of how I understood it. The the categories are like kind of tenuous like it's hard to figure out how certain people who are voters like fit into whatever category but like historian theoretically is someone like uh matt farmer or uh carl stern who are like actual historians and whatever like sense a wrestling historian could be where they study the history of wrestling and they like catalog stuff yeah i mean i've seen like some breakdowns too though it seems like some of them are just like really old people but, a lot of them are like, but <laughs> yeah. like, I think theoretically you're like looking yeah. at like someone like Carl Stern or maybe even like you could look at someone like, uh, like Mookie before he started working for, mm. uh, AEW, like someone who, who like studies the history of the business. 
Um, but yeah, so Naito and Ibushi, same thing among retired pros. They were both tied for 19th. Active pros was the only category where they kind of, um, you know, went the other went in different directions. Where Ibushi was fifth among active pros, but Naito was only 18th. Uh, you know, reporters, Naito, like I said, was first and Ibushi was fourth. So, you know, when you look at that breakdown, it is reporters that came in strong for Naito, which again is very funny if you believe this narrative of like, well, all the uh, all the people that Dave gave ballots to are AEW and elite fanboys who, uh, you know, are just like going to vote for whatever Dave wants. Anyone who actually like paid attention during the New Japan peak could tell you that like Naito and elite slash Kenny Omega fanboys like kind of fucking hate each other. <laughs> like there was a lot of animosity there between those two sides. So again, that also makes that that entire narrative very funny. But yeah, so there they were these people, despite all available evidence and all available facts, were very mad that Naito and Ibushi got in and CM Punk did not. And again, mm-hmm. oh go ahead. Oh, what what just made this funniest? I mean, so funny is something we've kind of already touched on is they they were talking about the Benoit stuff and there are so many Benoit tweets of like oh wow you know i guess murdering your family isn't as bad as uh <laughs> punching the elite or what what the, the like just those kind of tweets and i i'm reading those you know friday morning i'm like god like this is just such a silly bad faith argument like how bad did punk even do and but i like hadn't opened the issue yet I was, you know, going to have to spend the the afternoon like on, on the road for work and just doing all this other stuff. I was like, ah, I'll, I'll look at it later. And then I just see someone reply to a a tweet with like Punk's vote went up like 8% last year or from last year. And it's just like really so we're, we're we're mad that he's being punished by these voters who actually voted for more this year than last year. Okay. Yeah, I guess the devil's advocate argument would be like, well, his his uh his his vote his vote share should have gone up because his AEW work was so great. Which I wouldn't even disagree with. His AEW work was great, but like, how, how the fuck do you know? It's like they they ha- they talk like they have the authority of someone who like just came back from an alternate dimension where brawl that didn't happen, and they're mm-hmm. like, well, he definitely got sixty percent in this alternate dimension. So it's like. Maybe this was all he was ever going to go up this year. Maybe people just wanted to give it more space between before they decide, you know, that this AEW run put him over the top. Again, I voted for him, so I don't know why this, the people who didn't vote for him uh, didn't vote for Punk. But it's just very funny to me that people have just decided that Brawl Out was definitely why he didn't get in. Maybe it's because the guy got injured like five times during the year and, you know, uh, didn't actually wrestle all that much. Uh, I don't know. I can't really get in the minds of the no voters, but it's not necessarily d- just because of Brawl Out. Um, I think the big thing with Punk, especially when you look at what happened to his vote last year, I mean, he went from 15% to 33% last year, which is a big jump. And if you look at the voting period, that encompasses his two or maybe three most impressive numbers in AEW, which is almost selling out the United Center when he wasn't even advertised to be there, which was incredible, doing that huge number, and then 200,000-plus buys for uh, All Out, which, 
again, that jumped him from someone that was on the, you know, on the bubble of getting kicked off the ballot before he returned to AEW to someone who legitimately you could see, okay, you know, next year he could be in that 40 or 50% club where, you know, with a big run, like he could, he could really make it in. And he ended up with a smaller than you might expect increase, but also, you know, the full gear and revolution numbers were very, very good. Double or nothing when he won the title. It was it was up from the year before double or nothing. But, you know, if you had told me that um, around all out that CM Punk's going to win the title at double or nothing and that pay-per-view number is going to be lower than full gear and revolution, I'd be like, well, you know, that's that's a little disappointing. I would think that if he's going to win the title that you would be a little bit up from revolution or full gear. And again, full gear did have a big title match on it with Omega versus hangman and revolution did have the big, big um, dog collar match. And I think people don't give Adam Cole credit for having like a fan base too, but like, still I'd be like, yeah, you know, okay. That maybe there's a little bit of a decline here. And then, then he leaves, he, he gets injured, and he's gone for the summer, and AEW's ratings go down. And I'm like, okay, um, like, you can really feel the effects of Punk here. And, like, I know he's going to be back at All Out, and we're going to really just see, like, how big of a deal Punk is because they're going to go from, like, a .32 demo to back to a .4 where they were, maybe even higher because maybe Punk comes back hotter than ever. He comes back, and they do, like, a .33. And then they yeah. do the Moxley match, and they do a .36. And then... You know, they were basically, you know, for the the brawl out fallout on that that week, they were like, what, at another point three six. So even with all of that, that um, attention, like people wondering what's what's happening, what what's the, the what's the fallout going to be? You know, the last number we can look at in terms of Punk's impact on AEW and, you know, it was it was lower than before he left when they were, you know they were doing pretty well. So it's in he the end, they're, they're kind of back. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he cooled off or people just, I don't know, held the injury against him, whatever. I have no idea, but he there, he just wasn't as hot as he was a year before. And you would think that winning the title and then being gone for two months would have people really excited for him to return. Cause I was excited for him to return yeah. and it didn't. So I think you can look at that and be like, yeah, you know, he was someone who wasn't on a lot of Hall of Fame ballots before then. He was, you know, he got 33% of the vote. So, you know, he needs another 27% to get in. And if I'm one of those stingier voters, I might be like, yeah, you know, he had an impressive first six months of the year and then not so much after that. Like, and now, you know, the, the company definitely is in a worse place because of what happened it all out where they had to completely restructure everything and you know total like huge stables were completely rebooked and the entire title scene was rebooked and all this stuff happened and you might be like well if this guy hadn't done that then this company might be in a better a, a better place right now which if you're gonna like look at the theoretical world where that fight doesn't happen and punk gets in you have to look at the the real world where the fight did happen plans changed and the company isn't quite as well off and 
well, you didn't see the big rebound when Punk came back, so you can't be like, well, if Punk were here, things would be great. Well, we, all we can look at is, well, things aren't that great, and everything had to change because of Punk. Yeah. So that's all. Those are all great points about Punk, and I just, you know, I, 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 I don't know, like the the fact, like the reaction versus what Vote Sherry actually got seemed really out of whack to me. But what I want to talk about now, obviously is Naito and Ibushi getting in and some of the fucking tweets and some of the reaction I saw about that. And especially about Naito, because I have a, a lot to say about that. So so for the longest time, I was shocked that Tetsuya Naito could not get into this Hall of Fame. I thought he was one of the easiest, most slam dunk candidates, you know, in the history of this Hall of Fame ballot when it came to... Because like the way, if you really break it down with Naito... And you really break it down with New Japan. The only argument you had against him, if you really, you know, want to like hold it against him, is like a lack of, uh, you know, longevity on top or longevity on top. And even then, I feel like it's very, uh, you know, it got that that argument got more and more, uh, you know, false as the years went on. But his when you break down what he did for business and what he did as a top star, it's so it became more and more ridiculous that he was not getting into the Hall of Fame. So what he so you know entering this year I thought he had a decent chance to get in. You know, Okada went in last year. So I that that kind of I feel like held down his vote total a little bit where I think like, you know, some people probably just didn't want to vote for, you know, two modern New Japan guys and obviously uh you know Kazuchika Okada is you know a gr- amazing candidate. I would never say he isn't. He got him with 92% of the vote last year. Made perfect sense. So I figured with, with that kind of blockade, you know, gone from being above Naito, so to speak, and Ibushi, I thought he had a good, decent chance to get in. And, you know, obviously he did get in. What I did not see coming is that people would be mad about it. I just really did not see that coming. But I guess I should have because what it really comes down to is that people hate Tetsuya Naito fans, okay? I mean, one one idiot on Twitter who I'm not going to bother <laughs> naming really went so far as to tell you that's why he was mad that Naito got in. I mean, he actually just flat out said that he, you know, hates Naito fans and, or, or actually what he called, he, I'm sorry. He said they are the worst people on earth and don't deserve to be happy. So that's why he was angry that Naito got in. Um, which is by the way, is a very funny thing to say on a day where they quite literally are happy because he didn't get into the hall of fame. So all you're really saying is basically, uh, these people are happy and I'm mad about it, which is quite a funny thing to just admit publicly on Twitter. But, you know, it, it got to a point with so many people complaining that I saw lots of Naito fans who were like, I didn't really care about the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, but just the fact that it made people so mad that Naito got in is awesome. But yeah, um, so he gets into the Hall of Fame. What I think, here's where I think, uh, you know, why, why I think people get so mad at Naito fans. And especially the Naito, Naito and this works actually for Naito and Ibushi, uh, you know, versus Punk. There's a certain kind of straight, white, cis wrestling fan who does not think of themselves as being part of stand culture. Okay. When they describe themselves, they would not describe themselves as a CM Punk stan because stands are something that other people, you know, stands are, you know, women 
or queer people, LGBTQ people, or, you know, younger people, or just these weird people that they don't associate with themselves. I saw another tweet that, like, compared, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's fine to be a stan of Naito, but, uh, you know, you have to admit that you're, like, Liv Morgan stands, and the rest of us don't see him as a Hall of Famer, which, another fucking stupid tweet, because, first of all, most people do see him as a Hall of Famer, that's why the fuck he got voted into the Hall of Fame, but... Anyway, so these people think of stands as something that's not them. The other people are stands, we're not stands. When obviously, based on the reaction and the level of the vitriol, like, you fucking are CM Punk stands. I'm sorry. That is what you are. You're, you, because you're in this box where you've told yourself that you're like objective and the only people on earth who, you know, aren't biased or aren't part of stand culture. You've convinced yourselves you're something that you aren't CM Punk stands when you very clearly are CM Punk stands. If you weren't CM Punk stands, you wouldn't be this mad about him not getting in to a newsletter's Hall of Fame. Okay? So yes, you're fucking CM Punk stands. And like I said, it creates this whole dynamic where, you know, you because you think stand culture is something that's outside of you, you think it's for women or you think it's for gay people or whatever the fuck, you it, it like it, it creates like this culture war element to it that just makes you know all of your tweets you know sound even angrier so that's the other aspect that i thought was very interesting uh is this weird like you know i'm not a stand those people are stands kind of thing when you yes you very clearly are a cm punk stand otherwise you wouldn't give this much of a shit but second of all I don't know if you have anything to add to that part, but it's just like that is something I thought was was very interesting. Is the the CM Punk stands are convinced they're not convinced themselves they're not actually CM Punk stands. But I mean, I think anyone except for the most hardcore dedicated fans will not admit to themselves that they are quote a stand because they they look and they're like, I am just an objective person who looks at things and this is this person is objectively a hall of famer this this i am an objective fan of this person on their own merits not because i'm you know slightly obsessed in this particular area and i i do think there is a a certain um a certain type of person who people look at as a stan that is probably relevant to what you just said that i've just never really given that much thought to because you can certainly see like who who are the stands and who you know who who are like the kind of derogatory like the, the look down upon kinds of fans and who are just like people who watch stuff or people who like stuff and I, I, it's just something I've 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 never really thought that much about in depth with all of these particular fan bases other than people like complaining about Sasha Banks stands yeah. Um, and I mostly just think that that's funny because like it's not that bad people. Like, yeah. Okay. You're... Some people are replying to you on Twitter. Who cares? Yeah. But, um, uh, Oh no, go ahead. So I was going to say, so the other part of that, that I wanted to, that I really wanted to get into though, is eat like the thing that makes the Naito one specifically so funny to me is you can very easily make an objective case that Tetsuya Naito is an observer hall of famer that has nothing to do with whether or not you like him personally or like his wrestling or like his fans or whatever the fuck. If you just look at his drawing record 
and his record as a top star in Japan, he is so obviously an Observer Hall of Famer that it was a joke that he wasn't in before now. And nothing. And it's the, like the joke is not that he got in before CM Punk. The joke is that he wasn't already in before 2022. And I'm going to make a little bit of that case right here. I've already made the case a million times on audio and you know in articles and stuff. But I'm going to throw some again. Not saying anything about his in-ring wrestling quality, which obviously I'm you know very high on. But even if you think he's a bad wrestler, he still should be in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, uh, based on how people vote. You know, based on business and drawing in the past. So I'm going to give you some figures here. First of B- all, b- before you do that, I just want want to throw one little musing out there because I think I think Naito does have the really strong on paper case, but I think when you just look at them as wrestlers, there are are two people on that ballot who are be- we've talked about on this show who are very very similar candidates, and the arguments from their fan bases as to why they were underutilized or are legitimate Hall of Famers and someone else who may have been more pushed and may have been the ace of the company, you know, had was owed something by this guy. And it's Naito and CM Punk. Both guys <laughs> had huge, huge merchandise sales. Yes. Dedicated I'm, fan bases. I'm and, glad you pointed this out because I, ha- I wrote this down. They're the same fucking candidate in a lot yeah, of ways. The, they are the same candidate except for one thing. Naito is drawn much bigger houses than CM Punk. Yes, not even close. Not even <laughs> but, close. But like they are the same candidate. The arguments on message boards about them are exactly the same. The, them being overlooked. Like Punk may have been more overlooked for a certain amount of time than Naito, but Punk also got their world title for a year. And like Naito, again, like was his reign more valuable than Punk or like like the IWGP title more important? I'm, I'm sure it was. I mean, because I've never really given half a shit about the WWE title. But like at the end of the day, they gave him the title for a year, and they gave him a they gave him a big. It was like a year main and a half, event with The Rock. Yeah, it was like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, and like again, was he second fiddle to Cena with that Rock match? But he still got that match with The Rock when it was basically only Cena who got the big singles match with The Rock. So. He got the big matches. He got the big, um, the big title reign. Yeah, he was overlooked. But again, so was Naito. And in the end, both guys delivered when they were on top and when they weren't on top. So why are we like angry at Naito getting in and Punk not getting in as if like one is uh, an outrage and Punk is obviously a better candidate? It's well, ridiculous. because they're it's because they, they hate Naito fans. And like, like I said, they like one of them specifically said that. So yeah. And at the end of the day, they are Naito fans. Yes, indeed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So I'm going to give some, some, some uh, specific stats and figures here that I want to throw out here for Naito. Uh, you mentioned drawing. There's one show that I want to highlight because it's, it's like a very under-the-radar one, but I think it might, in a, in a weird way, even though the actual headline number might not be his most impressive number. I mean, he's drawn bigger houses. The actual, the, like this, the 
circumstances around it are like make it his maybe his most impressive drawing ever. Uh, and this is the very this is close to the beginning of his run, November fifth, twenty sixteen. So he's a year in to his reign, his run as a uh, you know the leader of Lij. He headlined Power Struggle at the Ideon Arena Osaka. It was a sellout crowd, five thousand fifty. He was defending the Intercontinental title, not even the heavyweight, so the secondary title, against Jay Lethal, who was a <laughs> last-minute replacement from Michael. Yeah, he was a last-minute replacement from Michael Elgin, who you know suffered an injury. To say Jay Lethal meant nothing to New Japan fans would be like an insult to the term nothing. I mean, they had no idea who this guy was. He had he had barely been in the company before this. I think he had done like the first Honor Rising or something. If that had already happened, actually the first one might be 2017. He he had barely been in the company. Is, is the point? He got this title shot. You know, it made sense. He got this title shot because he beat Naito on a uh, a global one of those global wars or whatever the fuck what some Ring of Honor show uh, in Boston, if I if I remember correctly. So the title shot made sense, but you know it was a last minute fill in. So Naito is headlining against a man who literally means nothing to these people. He's barely been in the company. He's not a top star from any from another company. He's just he's just a guy. And the the crowd actually that match was horrible because you know they had no idea who Jay Lethal was and had no reason to think he was going to beat Naito. And it's not a very good match, but he still fucking sells out the building even though he's facing Jay Lethal. So to me, that may be his most impressive uh, crowd number of them all. And of course, he has many other ones. You know, he got thirty thousand people to pay Wrestle Kingdom prices on a second straight night to see him face Okada on twenty four hours notice. He did eleven over eleven thousand people because uh, again, people like to pretend his title reign was some kind of flop, which is really funny since obviously, you know, the only reason why it didn't draw gigantic houses for a year for the full year or whatever is because a, a fucking novel virus you know, shut down the entire country of Japan and still the country that, by the way, still has not really opened, uh, you know, completely or like dropped all restrictions. Um, but yeah, before the novel coronavirus showed up, he did a, over 11,000 people against Kenta at New Beginning in Osaka, selling out Osaka Joe Hall, which was easily the best number New Japan did in this entire run for a B show. They had never come close to an 11,000... You know, eleven thousand seat building. They didn't really run many eleven thousand seat buildings for B shows, and you know this was a huge risk running a building that big for a new beginning show, and they fucking sold it out. And again, Kenta, you know, Kenta. I'm not going to say is Jay Lethal, but he's it's not Naito Okada either. I mean, that's Naito against a lower level opponent, and they sold out that building. Even if you want to take his his COVID era houses into account, he and Shingo Takagi, not Shingo Takagi, he and Evil put almost 5,000 people in a baseball stadium at the fucking height of COVID in August, 2020, when most of Japan was completely shut down. There was not even a vaccine yet. And they sold out this limited seating setup for, uh, you know, this outdoor show to see Naito win the, the double titles back from evil. So that there's no argument for Naito not being a draw. It's just that, that argument does not exist. If you want to look at some more business arguments when, you know, Shibata and Nakamura, not Shibata, uh, when Nakamura and AJ Styles left the company at the start of 2016, I you were around for that period. I, I, I know. I mean, I know you were. People were like, "Is this the end of New Japan?" 
I mean, people freaked the fuck out. And I don't even blame them because they were losing two of their top stars. Basically, two of the big, at the time, what would have been a big four with Okada and Tanahashi. They were losing half their top four. So, you know, a lot of people were like, is this the end of New Japan? New Japan revenue at the annual revenue adjusted for inflation and exchange rate. Let's start at the, uh, and this is ca- counting. Uh, the, so basically their their business year is from uh, summer to summer, basically. I believe it's August to August. So the last full year that Nakamura and AJ were there, they did 2.7 billion yen in annual revenue, which uh, equates to about 24 million. The following year with, with uh, Nakamura and AJ out for half the year and, uh, you know, Naito now being pushed as an absolute top star. They grow in revenue to 3.2 billion yen, 28 million. 2017, 4.0, 4 billion yen, 35 million. 2018, 4.9 billion yen, 44.1 million. 2019, 5, 5.4 billion yen, 50 million. And by the way, those last two numbers are bigger numbers than they ever did in the 1990s. And this is not. A, you know, anyone who can tell you about Japan, this is not an inflation thing. Japan does not have much inflation at all. They were doing higher revenue in 2018 and 2019 than their peak in the 90s. And when they were running all those domes and everything else, you know, 1996, they did 4.1 billion yen in revenue. That was their biggest uh, revenue year in the 90s. So 2018 did a better revenue year than the peak year in the 90s. So, or 2018 and 2019, I should say. So again, they lose two of their top stars in Nakamura and AJ. They push Naito to, at minimum, the 1B spot behind Okada. You could, you, I don't really even care if you want to argue Okada or Tanahashi is more popular than Naito. I think Naito is more popular, especially if you look at the fan votes and stuff. But at the, the minimum you can say, he's one of the three most popular guys in the company when they went on a business run that literally eclipsed their revenue in the 1990s okay their revenue went up when they lost two of their top stars and naito was pushed as a top star these are just facts these are not naito stands having feelings or talking about match quality or anything these are just facts of revenue and guess where a lot of revenue comes from as you just said before merchandise guess who's been the top merchandise seller every single fucking year since lij was formed Tetsuya Naito. That's not an exaggeration. Go look at the top 10 on the New Japan website. Pretty much any time in the last six years, you'll probably see like eight of the 10 as Naito and LIJ items. Those fucking Naito teddy bears sold to such a ridiculous degree, they would sell out every two seconds. And they had to make a second model. They made like a second teddy bear and that teddy bear sold out too. It is incredible how how good uh, a merchandise seller Tetsuya Naito was. And again, none, these are all just pure hard facts. The company with Naito on top did its greatest revenue in history. And this is this, up until AEW was founded, this was the second biggest wrestling company in the world, not just like, you know, some podunk company. So to say that the guy who was on top during the second biggest wrestling company in the world's greatest business run in history is not an Observer Hall of Famer is fucking stupid. So if that's what you think, you're fucking stupid. I don't what know. I, <laughs> what I would really love to get an honest answer from a lot of these people who are mad about Naito, and you, 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 can't, you can't get 
that honest of an answer because of how his WWE run has gone. But if you were to ask them when Nak, you know, if, if they could compare Naito right now versus Nakamura when he went into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, and to try to make a case that Nakamura is somehow more deserving of being in the Hall of Fame than Naito on any grounds, I would just love to hear that case because, yeah, like. Are, like, are we go- are we going with work rate? Because like, it has to be work. That's the only argument. And I think Naito's a way I, I, better worker. I think but... Naito's a much much better wrestler yeah. than than Nakamura, who I've like found to be very one dimensional. And like as a as a draw, yeah, Nakamura was you know in some big houses at the end. But when he was the guy, the company was doing really poorly, and it took him reinventing himself. And I mean, if we look at two guys who reinvented themselves. Naito is a much bigger deal after he reinvented himself business-wise than Nakamura. And, yeah. and, now, and people mean, point and people point out to the, the failed main event run for Naito. I'm like, this quote unquote failed main event run for Naito, it was like a year. Like, really, if you look at it, especially with how long he was injured, from how long Naito was actually pushed as a top guy, a stardust genius, it was like a year total. Okay. And what what was the uh <laughs> what was the 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 dome gate for that show versus the failed the failed nakamura well the failed nakamura, the ta- yeah the tanahashi ones weren't that great the early tanahashi ones were not that great the failed nakamura domes were not that great i mean there are guys who have who were in the hall of fame and should be in the hall of fame who had way bigger failure rates than naito did or, or like way longer periods of failure before they caught on than naito did so that is also an absurd argument um, another argument I wanted to bring up in Naito's favor. So the Tokyo Sports MVP, I'm sure you're aware of it, but uh, for anyone listening who's not aware of it, it's voted on every year uh, by the, the people who write for this magazine, the Tokyo Sports, uh, I think it's actually like a newspaper, a daily sports newspaper, but whatever it is, they vote on this every year and they give a MVP award for pro wrestling each year. It's a very good indicator of basically who was, re- who had, it all, it's like kayfabe success is part of it, but they really have to vote pick somebody who they felt was like super popular that year, and they have a very pragmatic reason to do it, and it's because you know they're literally trying to sell newspapers, and they need they they're putting the MVP's picture on the cover, so they have a very pragmatic reason to pick the guy who was just super popular in Japanese wrestling that year, and I'm gonna reach you and then the full list of Tokyo Sports MVP multi-time winners because it's not a very long list. And I'm going basically in chronological order from the first time they won the award, uh, which has been giving out since 1974. Antonio Inoki, six-time winner. Giant Baba, two-time winner. Jumbo Saruta, three-time winner. Genichiro Tenru, four-time winner. Keiji Budo, four-time winner. Kenta Kobashi, two-time winner. Hiroshi Tanahashi, four-time winner. Kazuchika Okada, three-time winner. Tetsuya Naito, three-time winner. Guess what all those people have in common? They're all in the fucking Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fucking Fame, as they should be, because they're all top stars in Japanese wrestling. Of all those people I just mentioned, only Naito, Inoki, Jumbo, and Tenru ever won in consecutive years. Naito did it in uh, 16 and 17, which was impressive, considering he wasn't even the IWGP champion in 17, and he was only champion for a few months in 2016, and they're very... They're normally very biased towards whoever the champion was. Again, 2019, he was not the... Or, sorry, he won in 2016, 2017, and 2020, not 2019, which he was the champion in 2020, obviously. But yeah, so Naito won it 
three times. And that's the same number of times Okada as Okada won it. One more time than Giant Baba and uh, Kenta Kobashi. And yes, like there's a lot of top Japanese stars who did not win this award multiple times. Mitsuhara Misawa only won it once. Uh, Shinya Hashimoto only won it once. You know, there are like, like this is this idea that Naito is somehow not an MVP, not a Hall of Famer. Like when you really break it down and, and look at stuff like that, it just becomes more and more absurd. He clearly was one of the top stars in Japanese wrestling history. And this is another example. So that's why I wanted to point that out that uh, Tokyo sports MVP award, obviously he won many other awards. He won tons of fan polls. He won best bout awards. He won, uh, you know, fan fan poll awards, like I said, but the Tokyo sports MVP is an easy one. And, you know, just because it's, it's such a prestigious award in Japan and he won the thing three fucking times. So very obviously a Hall of Famer, that Tetsuya Naito. <laughs> I don't know. don't know what else to say, really, besides the people who desperately want him to not be a Hall of Famer are just wrong. I guess, do you have anything to add before I move on? Um, I mean, I think I think you can, like, look at some of these things and kind of nitpick them, like, oh, well, you know, Tokyo sports, whatever. Like, You can nitpick some of these things, like, on their own. But when you look at the quality of the matches, the amount of merchandise he's sold, the amount of fans he's had at his, um, at these shows, the amount of award balloting he gets. It's just like, this guy is so obviously a hall of famer. It's just like, it's really, really silly. And I think just the thing that, like just thinking about Nakamura, it's like, man, like, like, yeah, he's such a better candidate than Nakamura. And I really don't think that many people who are interested in this kind of thing would try to argue that Nakamura shouldn't be in the hall of fame other than the fact that his WWE run has been a joke. Um, Yeah. I think he's, he's one of the more borderline guys for me. I would, I don't know if I would have voted for him at the time he got in. And like you said, his WWE run has definitely not helped his case. So he's probably very lucky he got in the year he did. But. Yeah, like uh, he to me, he's someone who I understand why people voted for him, but I personally think he's very borderline. But I also know that of people who pay that much attention to pro wrestling, I'm one of the lowest in my um my value uh, and how much I I care about Nakamura. Like I, I I you know I I like most of his matches or liked most of his matches when he was in New Japan, but like he he wasn't one of my favorites, and I thought he was fairly overrated but i'm not gonna act like it's a joke that he was in the hall of fame when he did but like i think if you look at it objectively uh and of course we're both being very objective here like naito is just surpasses him as a career but it's good that naito went in this year because i think it's so perfect given some of the the previous freak out discourse about naito that he went in with abushi yeah the the man that like they tried that tried to you know I was I was there for this when they tried to uh, murder each other at that Dominion main event or semi main for the Intercontinental title, um, but yeah, Kota Ibushi goes into and you know the the arguments. I, look, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I personally think he has as strong of a case as Naito, especially on the business side. You know, I I I just don't because Naito has to me one of the stronger cases you know of this era. But he still, Kota Ibushi still draws, drew some big houses. He sold some merchandise. I mean, he was drawing big houses before Naito. He drew them in DDT, too. And really, you know, 
of the people who put that company on the map, it's really just him. It's really him and Don Chokudino more than anybody. And I don't think very many people would argue that Dino is a Hall of Famer. Uh, and Kota Ibushi, you know, deserves a ton of credit for that, for putting this, what was a small indie company really on the map, like on the map, especially with his appearances, you know, in other companies and really getting the DUT name out there that way. I, re- I remember, uh, I-, I don't remember the exact year, but there was a, there was a year where he appeared in this junior tag tournament that Noah put on every year called the Differ Cup. Uh, I believe I want to guess it was like 2007 or eight, maybe, but uh, you know, one of those what, sometime around then. And he really like got people to pay attention to DDT because it's like, well, this guy is amazing, you know, and how, the, and this guy is from DDT. So he really, you know, they must be doing some cool stuff there. And, you know, they, they had like him and Kenny, they drew big houses, of the Budokan in like the early 2010s. So you can't really discount that level of drawing. And then in ring, you know, again, he and Naito are so tied together in ring anyway. You know, they've had so many of their amazing matches are with each other that, you know, there's not a ton of separation there for me. I I, I would prefer Naito. I think most people wouldn't be surprised. But I do think Kota Ibushi is a great in-ring worker. And he's been in so many fantastic matches that I've loved that, like, you know, I definitely think he's an in-ring Hall of Famer. Um you know, I think where Naito might have him be a little more than the other categories is that positive influence, uh, or I forget the exact wording Dave uses, like historical significance in a positive way, I think is what Dave uses. Mm-hmm. And I do think Naito, you know, between starting LIJ, which really changed uh, changed the course of New Japan, you know, really, um, it really shook up. It was a very stale unit situation in New Japan at the time. Um and I think it was a bigger star in New Japan, um, you know, which and helped them, you know, reset those revenue goals that we talked about or those revenue levels we just talked about a little earlier more than Ibushi did. And Naito took people in the dojo under his wing. You know, who knows if Hiromu Takahashi would even be an active wrestler if it wasn't for Naito. Um, he got people into the company like Shingo and Sonata. So, you know, I think he has more of that historical significance argument than Ibushi does. But you know, Ibushi has been a positive influence on wrestling too. I mean, he's, you know, the uh, the storyline with Kenny has obviously really resonated with people worldwide. So, you know, I I think they're both Hall of Famers at the end of the day. And, you know, I'm not, I, I voted for both of them. And I, I, I you know, at, at points it was like, especially when Kenny was on the ballot too, people would like uh, debate the three of them together, you know, Naito, uh, Naito Kenny, and Ibushi. And I was always like, I mean, they're all three of them are Hall of Famers. I don't really see the point in debating which one is the better Hall of Famer. They're all, you know, if if Kenny was had not already gotten in, I would have voted for him too. I mean, they're all Hall of Famers. So, I think yeah. one thing that always impressed me about Ibushi early on, and I mean, part of it was just seeing him live, but um, the fact that in I think it was 2007, maybe it was 2008, but before Ibushi had a really, really big name, um, Gabe flew him in for four shows in ROH. I I think it was, you know, spring of 2007. Um, And at that time, the only big fly-ins they'd done were Kobashi, a bunch of Dragon Gate guys, and Misawa. And that they, you know, were flying this guy in, you know, they didn't, they didn't treat him as big of a deal as these other guys, but he got this fly in 
Gabe was hyping the hell out of it and the guy delivered. But then on top of that, the <laughs> the very cheap Mike Quackenbush then flew him in too. Before again, before he was like that kind of like top line star in a major Japanese company. And that always like really stood out to me that this guy is so good and has like this aura to him that like ROH brought him in really early. And then like Quackenbush, who is so freaking cheap, brought him in too. And he worked, you know, obviously the, the ROH fan base isn't that different from the Shikara fan base, but they are like into different things and like both raved about him really, really early on before a lot of guys that like would figure themselves out. And then from there, like, you know, he took DDT and made it into not what it is today, but like really, you know, got them a lot of momentum and, you know, put them on the map in a way they wouldn't have without him. And and then just he he did one of the things that like make me a fan of someone for life. He had those matches that one match, especially with Naito, that created the most insane discourse I've ever seen, and even more insane than this Hall of Fame discourse because um, people were so mad about that match and thought that match was the scariest, most dangerous thing in the world. There were people who were calling it the worst match of the year because it was so reckless and that they almost killed each other and blah, 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 blah. And just seeing people melt down about what was such a great match, that just really endeared both of them to me in a way that they I, I liked both guys before. I probably liked Abushi a little bit more before than Naito, but like it just endeared them to me even more because they made a lot of people really, really mad and they didn't even get injured in the process. Yeah. It, it, they, they were both fine, which is also a really funny part about it too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think what I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I think what helped them was, you know, they, they both get in and they both, you know, they're both tied to each other in a lot of ways, but I think what helped the both of them was very different. So with Ibushi, you know, he obviously had all of his drama with the New Japan office this year, and plus his injuries has been gone for quite a while. And I think people just kind of thought about Kota Ibushi, you know, they, with Ibushi being gone for so long. And I don't think he's actually retired. He's been teasing, actually, um, that he's going to be back, you know, once his New Japan contract runs out in January, which I hope he is, you know, back wrestling somewhere. But Ibushi being gone for, for so long... I think gave people a chance to say, you know, oh, if this guy is done, you know, if he never wrestles again, is he a Hall of Famer? Which you don't always get that chance with a guy who's active. So I think it gave people that chance and they kind of looked at it and they kind of were like, yes, we think he's a Hall of Famer. So that's, I think, what helped Ibushi. With Naito, I think the opposite thing helped him where, you know, a lot of people in 2021, you know, it looked like Naito was slowing down. He wasn't really a top guy. And people were like, you know, is this, maybe this is the end for him now. And then Tetsuya Naito this year goes out there and has two amazing matches with Kazuchika Okada in the first half of the year for the IWGP World title. And then he goes out there and has two more amazing matches in the second half of the year with Will Ospreay uh, in the G1 semifinal and then for the U.S. title at Battle Autumn. And you know, I think that helped him. I think it was like, well, look, he's still having these awesome matches. He's putting guys over. It's not like he's, you know, he's put, he put, he ended up losing to Okada, both title matches and lost both those matches to Osprey too. So he's, you know, having this very unselfish run where he's just putting guys over and, uh, 
you know, you know, putting on these big, these amazing matches in the main events. So for Naito, I just think he, having this little bit of a mini resurgence in ring probably helped get him over the line with some people who were like, oh, I don't know, is this Naito guy still at that level? So that, you know, it's very opposite things, I think, that helped the two of them and their candidacies. But uh, I think I just thought that was interesting, just like the way they were probably helped in uh, almost opposite directions. <laughs> so I was I was quickly looking at his uh, his match guide for this year for um, on cage match. And I think the strongest argument for him is a, a work rate candidate. I see. uh um I, I I have not followed New Japan that much this year, but Gato versus Naito, three stars. I mean, <laughs> that that sounds like a miracle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had a really good year this year. So, um, you know, just... I mean, very... maybe he could do two stars with Jado. Yeah, who, who even knows? But yeah, I mean, the last time I checked that up, the second Osprey match was at a, a 4.6 average on Grapple, you know, which is funny since obviously a lot of the people complaining about this uh are from grapple island over there you, you mean yeah. you mean the people who thought that david Starr was the only good wrestler yes the the last honest wrestler david Starr, that guy uh but yeah so there you go i, th- I think we've kind of made our case here and i know you've got plans at eight o'clock here so we can wrap this thing up uh anything we want to say about any of the oh there's the people coming on the bout next year let's quickly mention that um so I know we have we have uh, Seth Rollins, Seth freaking Rollins, I should say, uh, John Moxley, the Young Bucks, and the Beauty Pair, uh, Jackie Sato, and actually no, I think he got I think he got this wrong. Everybody said <laughs> he had the wrong Beauty Pair. Uh, oh, I think no. the the Beauty Pair is actually getting. Uh, I think it's actually Jackie. Yes, yeah, Jackie's Jackie Sato and Maki Ueda, not uh, Sato and. Uh, whatever the hell he had here. But the point is they're, they're going to be on the ballot. That'd be an interesting one to, to really dive into. I know they were like a, um, you know, they were, they were like kind of the first big Joshi stars in Japan. And, you know, they, they were like, they, they, they very much trailblazed when it came to, you know, being like Joshi and music stars at the same time. Um, but, you know, their, their peak was very short, but very high and, you know, very much a pop culture phenomenon. So, That'll be cool to look into. There's, there's like apparently a surprising amount of beauty pair footage out there for an act that was, you know, active in the period they were active in. So that will be a really interesting one to really dig into for next year's bout. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Oh, uh, that, that's got to be fun to watch, given what like those crowds were like. Yeah, uh, Seth freaking. I do not see a case for freaking. Sorry. <laughs> like that, that, that will be an interesting one just for like who people will vote for based on getting a push in WWE. And I mean, for the most part, the last few, since, since he got fiended, he hasn't even gotten like that big of a, like the WWE hall of famer push that you would expect. And like, man, I, I obviously don't watch these shows, but I, you know, you see enough gifts and video clips of these characters and like everything you see of Rollins, it just really sucks. Yeah, just really, really sucks. And like, I'm curious, like, because he he feels like someone who should be getting like 15 percent of the vote, but maybe he just you know gets like 30. Yeah. Or and then maybe he drops. Maybe he just drops off. That would that would be (laughs) like I don't I don't think he's like yeah that bad of a case because again like he he's been a pushed guy in WWE and I'm sure if you string together some numbers you can find something resembling a case. 
like I just like for me he's just like become this wrestler that like I just don't want to see do anything like if he if he were to come to AEW I'd be like man uh, like I, know. I could see it working because again I liked him in Ring of Honor but and like maybe you put him in a different environment but like I can't I can't see that working and but again like I I would have when Moxley came in I was like. Well, you know, Moxley will be like that great promo guy who has those kind of like maybe three and a half star matches that like, I'm not really excited for the match, but I'm really excited for the build. And instead he's like, I'm just going to have these like bloody four plus star matches like against like cool opponents and just, I'm a, I'm just a great wrestler. And I, yeah. I did not see him as that when he came into AEW. So again, uh, maybe, maybe with Rollins, it's just bad booking, but yeah, he yeah. just feels like nothing. Moxley, Moxley will be interesting because, like, when I really cared about the Hall of Fame, I'd be like, yeah, Moxley's kind of like a step below that. Like, he's he's made like a minor difference. Like, he's he's definitely like a really good wrestler. You know, there there's some shows he's been on that drew really well, but you know, there's obviously like people in AEW who draw better than him, and like he's been a part of this cold period the last few months. But I mean. People really like him, and then I mean, it feels like if the Bucks don't get in first ballot, then like, <laughs> what has been? What? Uh, so you just named the next, yeah, the other the other two candidates are John Moxley and the Young Bucks. Uh, Moxley, I can't see myself voting for next year. I just, I, I need a few more years of him at this level in AEW because I, I just don't think his WWE run means anything to me at all. Kind of what you said, like I just did not, I did not like him in WWE at all. I mean, it's not even a, th- a thing like Roman where. I can say I liked Roman's in-ring, even though obviously the booking and everything else about WWE is terrible. Where I, I did not like Moxie's in-ring as Dean Ambrose at all. So, I, I you know, I was as surprised as anybody that he had awesome matches in AEW and New Japan. Um, but, yeah, I just need a few more years than three years, you know? Like, give me like, get get me to five or something. Like, I had to listen to people argue that four and five and six was not enough for Naito uh, as a top guy. So, yeah, I'm not really ready to put in Moxie after three years. But. I mean, with Moxley, he does have the shield where I feel like if you're if you're giving it to Roman, you you have to put some like outsized influence on the shield in terms of like his ability to work and draw because. Yeah, true. he's been like like when he came back to SmackDown and did this heel run, SmackDown was like it was sinking in the ratings like and it just stabilized. It, it went to like like its demos were like point five to point five five for like a year straight. Yeah. And since then, like since he started going part time, it's been like a little bit softer. There, there have been ups and there have been downs since uh, Vince left, but like it's been a little bit softer since then. But he had a good year plus where you know he meant something in in their ratings, and their ratings are what makes them their money. So as like horrible as I thought that like early stuff was, like the last WWE match I've watched in full was someone was complaining like complaining about the setup for the Hell in a Cell match with uh i think it was jay uso and i just i just put I, someone linked me to a stream i put it on and it was just the worst acted melodramatic shit i've ever seen <laughs> and it was like that was the worst match and i saw all year and i just could not believe that people were going nuts over it and like the the recent stuff to me like feels so much like H- hogan in 98 in the nwo black and white except like Roman Reigns isn't nearly as charismatic as Hulk Hogan and isn't nearly as insane. 
So it's just like it comes off more as like a bad mafia parody. But like people are at least into it. So like I'll give them that. Like yeah. people are into it. Like f- even if like it seems like SmackDown's gotten a little bit softer and like he doesn't have that kind of cachet where, you know, when they put him on Raw and like it, do- it-, it doesn't mean anything. Like yeah. the, the, right after that hour with no commercials, they did a, a Roman match and like it's or a Roman segment and like it just died. And again, like, yeah, it, they just ended the no commercial segment of the, the show. But at the same time, if this guy is the Hall of Fame head of the table difference maker, then you'd think it would at least, you know, hold steady and then fall off a cliff. But whatever. Uh, but, but yeah, the Young Bucks, obviously Hall of Famers. I mean, just... like if the, if they're not, then like, <laughs> man, like an observer star rating means absolutely nothing anymore. <laughs> and, and it's like because they are the team that has you know really brought about the modern era of kind of like indie work rate and like what AEW is like these kind of like like it's hard to describe what they were but their like elite slash bullet club gimmick really just changed what ring of honor was in like 2015 and took it from this like product that was so cold with jim Cornette to something that like was legitimately like doing really well for like roh's level in terms of selling tickets and then AEW comes around and i'm like okay yeah roh is doing like 1500 to 3000 for their big shows now how are you gonna do like, why are you starting a new company instead of just, like, buying ROH when, you know, you're going to be splitting that fan base in half? Like, yeah, maybe with more money you can do that 1500 to $3,000 or 3000 people for big shows. But what are you doing every week? Are you just going to be TNA? And then, like, yeah, that company's completely, uh, <laughs> completely made those thoughts look silly. And they're obviously, I can't deny them being by far my favorite company. But um, yeah, like I, they are like one of the catalysts of that, and so I, it feels like if they're not Hall of Famers, then I mean, like no one from the, the non WWE part of this uh, U.S. Um, hot period or whatever you want to call it is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I think we can wrap it up there. Uh, Go Mystico! Thank you. Go Mystico! Thank you again for coming on, especially so last minute. Had a lot of fun with my uh, first podcasting appearance in 11 months. Hope I wasn't too rusty. (laughs) (laughs) And we we didn't even read all of the mean tweets, so. Yeah. I think we did show good restraint there. We only did a couple mean tweets. Yeah. I I had one pulled up that I was, I was going to make. Oh, go ahead, please. Okay. The floor is Um, yours. (laughs) I won't mention the person, even though I think they're a terrible, terrible account. Kotobushi and Tatsu Naito making the WON Hall of Fame before CM Punk is insane to me, quite frankly. So that's the first uh, in this thread. And then we get to um, someone saying, they're, they're saying, okay, a couple things. I was reminded that they're in separate categories. I have no problem with anyone thinking they're Hall of Famers or better than Punk straight up. Three, the, this conversation is only continued. Buddy, you started the conversation by saying the idea that they made it in before <laughs> Punk is making you, in, or is insane to you, quite frankly. And then he just continues this thread from there. And finally, what do we get to at the end? There was a vote on Benoit. If Benoit should be taken out after murdering his son and they elected to keep him in because he was a great wrestler. I can go on and on. The idea that Punk is a horrible human that should be punished for talking shit and getting into a fight is preposterous. Which again, as we've shown during the show, 
the idea that that's why he, what he was being punished for or that he was punished at all is preposterous. And the other thing that I should say is more people voted to take uh, Benoit out of the Hall of Fame than thought CM Punk was a Hall of Famer. So, that, is that is true. <laughs> so more people thought that it was bad that he murdered his son than thought Punk was a Hall of Famer. Do with that, that what, what you will. Yeah. Because uh, it, it, it got like, what, like 54%, I think, and it needed to get 60%. Yeah, it was like 54 or 55. Like it was yeah. like right in like that like mid 50s. So, you know, it almost happened. Yeah. I I kind of think if they did that again, he would that he would come out this time, but maybe I'm wrong. Probably just cuz it's like I I don't even know. Like yeah. There's so many people who just like are so sh- and because of how the voter base has changed, I do think he would probably go out because a lot of like those new fans and new podcasters like do think it's like like horrible to think that anything Benoit ever did was good, which I don't, I'm not like against that position. Like I, I do think it's funny when Jericho can't keep himself from, uh, <laughs> from phrasing a Benoit thing. But I will say that uh, we can wrap up on this point to, to go, go into Benoit a little bit. I saw Darlene loves Christmas show last week and Darlene love was a, a, a singer in the early sixties who uh, was a, basically a star because of uh, uh, Phil Spector's Christmas album. And during the show, she brings up Phil Spector and the crowd boos. And all she says is, I don't have anything bad to say about Phil Spector. And all I could think about was, you know what? Chris Jericho just needs to try that. (laughs) (laughs) They're both murderers. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. All right. Anything uh, you want to plug before we get out of here? I don't have a podcast. Uh, well, there might be a podcast uh, happening soon. So uh, if you you follow me already at Mongo underscore ebooks, uh, there might be a new podcast soon. If you don't follow me, uh, you're probably going to be annoyed by my tweets and my incessant quote tweeting of people. So don't don't bother. There hope you, you enjoyed the show, though. Uh, yes, I hope you enjoyed the show. As far as me, you know, I'm around on Twitter. Uh you know, you can you can very easily find me. I never I never say my Twitter handle out loud because it's embarrassingly stupid. But uh, I mostly tweet about hockey nowadays, so you got to be ready for a lot of like that wasn't a penalty or uh, what a goal type tweets. So if you like those tweets, you'll you'll definitely want to follow me. If not, maybe you don't want to at this point. We might be back at some point. I don't know. Maybe I've now established a precedent of releasing a random episode when I feel like it. So maybe we'll do something at some other point. Uh, if, if this is it, though, if this is the last time I ever record a podcast, uh, I want to thank you for listening, as always. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to many other past episodes of me rambling on and hopefully making something resembling a point uh, through all my rambling. But uh, yes, sincerely, thank you. I, I love like the amount of people that have asked me, and again, this is going to sound like I'm bragging, which I guess I kind of am, but the amount of people who have asked me when the podcast is, is coming back during the course of this year uh, has blown me away, and it's very humbling. So thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this one-off return, and maybe there will be more in the future. Uh, but again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you whenever we see you. Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today.